Hello. So this is the Sunday School for April 5th. It's the third week of our Family on Mission course. And I'm actually covering the first chapter of Family on Mission, which is called Our Journey to Family on Mission. So um, the background to, our, to this course has been Jesus's call to make disciples. So um, just going to get right into the first chapter. So um, Mike and Sally had a pretty, Mike and Sally Breen, the authors of the book, had a pretty clear calling early on in their life. Mike knew that he wanted to be full-time minister. Um, and, and when they got married, they both had a, a very clear sense that they wanted to make disciples, that that was, that was like a central focus for them. So uh, the first chapter um, of this book basically looks at three models of making disciples. And we're going to go through those. So the three models are family or mission, family and mission, and family on mission. So I'm going to try to describe those. Um, and um, I'm really heavily quoting the chapter here. This is A lot of this is not my own ideas. Um, so most of this is just taken right out of the book. Um, so family on family or mission, um, basically, um, when the way it starts, Mike and Sally have started training in the church of England. The church is sending Mike to different parishes and, and churches to watch the ministry there, see it and, um, see a bunch of different models or a bunch of different ministries. And then afterwards they go to lunch every time, I guess they go to lunch with the pastor who runs the church. Um, so Mike and Sally, right off the bat, um, basically see a problem with a family or mission model. And I'll explain that more. So um, a lot of these churches, the first thing that they noticed was because they saw the, the church um, service and then they saw the home life of the pastors. Um, the first thing they noticed was the ministry had a lot of effort put into it. It was organized. It was done well. There was a lot of, there was clearly a lot of energy placed put into it. And then when they would go to the house of the pastor afterwards, they noticed that it was really in stark contrast. A lot of times Mike and Sally say the children were rebellious. They were alienated. The wives seemed sad. They depressed. They seemed depressed. They seemed angry. Um, it was it was almost as if these pastors assumed that to have a functioning and a thriving ministry, your your family had to take a hit. Um, your ham, your family had to suffer um, some sort of lack because of all the effort put into the ministry. Um, so there would be this really big contrast, beautiful worship service, chaotic family life, chaotic home life. Um, and it just seemed that the challenges of having a successful ministry were just too much for the leaders. And uh, that was reflected in their family and, and how their family, the health of their family. So backing out, now this is my own experience. Um, I think that the call to make disciples is remarkably like I said, a really big challenge, perhaps one of the tallest orders Jesus gave us. It might be the tallest order is 
um, go and make disciples, teaching them everything I've commanded you. Um, so when, what I have noticed in my own experience, I alluded to how I just kept on trying new things and different things and um, to try to make disciples. If, when we try to do that, if we just push harder and harder and harder, if, if it's too hard for an individual, if, if it's just not working out and you just push harder and harder and harder, it's pretty obvious. It leads to burnout. You just give more and more and more to it and um, things can fall apart. Things can, it can just be too much for a person. And in my experience, I've seen a lot of people try to make disciples on their own. Um, it's, they do it on their, they do it, you know, there's no one else there helping them. They engage on one-on-one -on -one relationships with people and they basically put more and more time and effort and prayer and service into those people thinking that eventually they'll come to faith. Um, and, and a lot of times I've seen that exactly what Mike and Sally were talking about. I've seen with a handful of my friends, a lot of them, far too high a percentage, the people I knew who were putting the most time and effort into making disciples. I'm talking about people who were putting, um, you know, multiple hours a week, uh, maybe a couple nights a week into this. Um, they, I, it was very common for there to, there to be a rift with their wives and there to be a lot of struggle there. Um, and a lot of them ended up burning out and giving up on that model and just giving up. Like, it's just not working here in Vermont. Maybe it's this church I'm a part of. Maybe, you know. So going back now to Mike and Sally. Um, oh, actually, let me say one more thing. I think that if the task is too hard and you just keep pushing harder and harder and harder um, and the task is too hard to you, which maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's not too hard, maybe you're up to it. But if you're not and you just keep on working harder at it and giving more and more to it, it is going ultimately to take away from other parts of your life. Um so, and that, that can become harmful at a point. So Mike and Sally, back to them, basically said that it's like no one had taught these leaders how to lead a ministry and a family. So they leapt into ministry, they're serving diligently, and they just, it's like they weren't even aware of the relationship between the effort they were putting into the ministry and the effect it was having on their family, which is, if you think about it, is really sad. Because a lot of them are, are, these people are trying to be faithful and they're trying to be invested in the ministry. And they're, I think, assuming that God's going to take care of them. God's going to take care of their family. And, um, and as they put more and more into this ministry, um, it can end up being a disaster. And what Mike and Sally said was often the larger and more successful the ministry, the more disaster the family was. Um, so, and then there was the other, there was kind of the other road um, when you're trying to make disciples and running up against difficulty, the other, you can go harder and harder and harder, or you can give up and say, this isn't working. I don't think I'm up to this, or, you know, I think there's something I'm missing, maybe some information, or maybe I'm, maybe that's not my, sk my skill set or my gift set. Um, so the common reality here in this model of ministry is, giving to one family or to your ministry takes from the other. So they are in competition. Um, so again, the two options are really burnout or giving up when it's not going well. You can either work harder to the point of burnout or you can give up. Um, 
So basically, Mike and Sally, um, they said that a lot of times what they saw in the people living out this lifestyle of, um, you know, investing tons into ministry, um, the kids were just um, chaotic. They were a lot, a lot of times rebellious and alienated. The wives were angry and sad and depressed. So they, they looked at this and they said, this is not for us. There's got to be a better way to do it. So it's Mike and Sally almost never engaged in that model. They immediately said, we, we, we don't want to do that. So what's what could we do? And they said, well, we're going to do family and we're going to do mission and we're going to do them both well. So we, we have to figure that out. How are we going to do this? So um, one thing that Sally said that I thought was really interesting was that she wanted to be normal. So she didn't want to project. She wanted to seem normal. She didn't want to project this ministry face of, you know, this really nice ministry that's running well, that's, you know, well run. And then underneath it all to be for her family to be a wreck. Um, so, you know, they didn't want to project that kind of a fake image. Um, so they basically worked really hard to do mission well and family well. And the way they did that was tons of planning. They just worked really, really hard on their planning. Neither can fail, so they plan like crazy. They basically looked at the boundaries of the ministry and the boundaries of the family. And they made sure there was enough margin, which is really wise, enough margin for both. Um, and then they had children. And so they, they had to plan more. They had to plan in more margin. There's more stuff that can go wrong. So we need wider margins. Margin meaning, you know, just um, like having extra, extra margin or extra budget in your finances, like having backup. So they were kind of doing that with their time. They were allocating more time to nothing so that if something blew up over here, uh, it didn't take away from this thing over here. Um, they had a whiteboard in their kitchen and they just devoted a ton of time to planning. So they really hold the boundaries between ministry and family life. Um, so sometimes the ministry would take over some family time, but they had enough margin and they, and they would plan accordingly. Um, Sally describes managing stress, managing the vision, managing time all the time, managing, managing, managing. Um, and again, this model of ministry, it doesn't fix the problem of the, the first model of family or mission, the problem that there's two competing columns, family and ministry. You take from one, you're giving, you take, you have to take from one to give to the other. Um, so interestingly, Mike and Sally, um, had a pretty successful ministry through this time. It was about 10 years, um, successful in the sense that they had some innovative ministry. They saw people come to faith. But looking back, Sally says, those 10 years were good years, but they were not great years. And they were not fulfilling to either her or Mike. So some of the problems Sally uh, points out is she felt really isolated. Because when they kind of partitioned their time, Sally had to, she had to raise the kids. They had four or five kids. And Mike was doing a lot of the ministry work. Um, so Sally shared that she, um, so she was kind of always home with the kids or most of the time home with the kids. 
And she ended up really enforcing the rules of the boundaries a lot. So she was always watching the clock, kind of keeping on Mike. How many nights was he out doing ministry work, out at meetings, etc.? Um, how much time was he spending with the kids? Um, so they they had parallel worlds, really. Um, there wasn't a lot of overlap. Mike is focused on ministry. Sal Sally's focused on the kids. Um, but um, again, Sally's investment in the ministry was really limited. So she kind of was separate. She really wasn't involved in it. She really didn't understand the vision very well, and she didn't really get to have a part in it. Um, and, and she said, similarly, Mike really didn't know what was going on with the family a lot. He didn't, he wasn't connected with family the way she was, and she wasn't connected with mission and the ministry the way he was. Um, so they discovered that family and mission, where you try to balance both and do both well, were completely exhausting. And they gave it a good 10 years, like I mentioned. Um, and the specifically the work of constantly managing the two separate worlds. Um, a really interesting point was that constantly managing those boundaries, managing these two separate worlds, um, they found that it actually prevented them from making disciples. Um, so I referenced this earlier, but um, their, they said their ministry there had been great. It had been innovative, innovative. God had done some really great things. But today, you go back to that city where they had that ministry, there's hardly anything left. And they said there's, there's no evidence of an ongoing work of God. And the reason for that was they were spending so much, it took so much time to manage their ministry and the boundaries um, that they weren't able to make disciples. They didn't have the time or the effort, they couldn't make the effort um, or the investment to make disciples who were making disciples. So that's a big key. Making, they, they were not able to make disciples who make who were also making disciples. So, and and so they said you they just believe they learn you can't make disciples if you're constantly managing your boundaries. So, um, that I mean that probably requires a pause. I'm not assuming that anyone just swallows that pill. It's a big pill to swallow, but definitely. That's definitely an important question to look at is if you're constantly managing the boundaries of two things that you really have limited, your time is very limited and everyone I think agrees on that. So time is limited and you want to have a family and you want to have a ministry because you feel the call that you know that both are, are important and crucial. But if you try to manage both of them, um, that somehow the amount of time that that takes actually makes it so that you're not able to make disciples who make disciples. So that, I, you know, we'll probably have to come back to that and think about that. But that's really important. If that's true, if there's a lot of truth to that, then um, that's an important thing to think about in terms of going forward, trying to make disciples and how you try to do it. Um, and so if you, if you were to pick either, any of these ministry models, um, over time, as you go, if, as you go along, they get further and further apart. So um, at first, it may seem the models are kind of similar, but the more time and effort you put into them, the the destinations are further and further apart. So it's important to to ask ourselves, like, um, and, and to really be trying to figure this out. That it, are they right about that? Um, does does managing the boundaries between a family and mission model? make it really hard to make disciples who make disciples. 
Um, and then, so out of that season of her life, of uh, their lives, um, Sally says after about 10 years, she just broke and she, she just couldn't do it anymore. And it had been, it had been really challenging, really difficult. So at that time, the church of England sent them to Arkansas. So they took over a new ministry and they kind of took a back seat. Um, and they kind of tried to, I think, putting it to my own words, kind of took it easy for a while and really tried to think through, um, what they were learning. So they called this season, and I'm not calling this its own ministry model. It probably is, but family as mission. And so Mike and Sally call it family as mission. Um, I only said three models. This is kind of the fourth, but um, this is when you're in a, in a stage of healing. Um, so an example that they give is these are intense times when you like have a newborn baby, or if a spouse has a difficult diagnosis like cancer, or you have a, a uh, parent that is really ill that you need to take time to care for. Um, they said that in their experience in the last 30 years, this, had hap this has happened several times. And it's important to give yourself permission to have these seasons. Um, in these seasons, your family is your mission. And they say, you know, you in these seasons, they batten down the hatches and they're just trying to survive the storm. And um, so... What Mike says is the, the key to these seasons, there's, I guess, two things he said that I thought were really interesting. He says the fault, and this is a quote, the fault line comes if your family becomes an idol and you never move out of the family as mission stage. Um, so going from there, Mike and Sally would say that these times, um, there are times of abiding and you, you make a choice to focus on yourself and your family and to heal. You focus internally so God can heal you and refill you and then before you move back out. Um, and so these times, they said, can actually be really good. It actually, these times in your life where you go deeper um, where, and where you really focus inward really help you when you get back into your mission. So during this time where they are really focused internally and trying to heal, make sense of the last 10 years, um, they came to the conclusion that there's a better, there had to be a better way to do mission. And that's where family on mission comes from. So they started thinking of a new approach. So family on mission, they started with a question. What would happen if we invited people into our lives? Inviting people over, not to entertain them, but to help with what they, what the brains were already doing. So that, that was the huge shift for them. So the difference is they began inviting people into everything, mealtimes, into the mission, whatever mission they had at that time. We included people in our lives to help us in the little things and the big things, in our family and in our mission. So particularly young adults that were on the outer edges of their lives, they invited these people in. So examples, going for a walk, including these people in grocery shopping, folding laundry, praying for the sick. Um, they asked them to babysit their kids, help their kids do homework, help them with administrative tasks with the church or the ministry, help them run youth events. So everything. They just invited their missional community, people on the fringes, into their lives. 
Um, some of these young, young adults even lived with them in their home because they had no money. So one thing they, but they did have a larger house, I believe. So one thing they could do is just offer them a place to live. Um, they discovered that in these times that some of these people had really amazing talents and abilities because of their close time together, working together. So there were two huge advantages to this model. Um, and this is a quote, it seemed that when we moved as a group, we were actually more effective in our family stuff and our mission. That probably hits a string for some of us. Because if, you know, a lot of us are probably very private. And the, the idea of inviting people into our family, um, you know, family is sacred. It's a sacred space. And inviting people into that is, is a challenging idea. But they're actually saying that this, um, and, and Bridget brought this up last week in the questions, in the Q&A part. Uh, Bridget said, what is this like for your children to take on this model? Um, and we'll get into that a little more, actually. But they talk about how this was actually really good for their family. Their, their, the stuff they were doing as a family actually got better. Um, and then to top it all off, because people were coming along with them in their normal everyday lives to do all the stuff I mentioned, um, they actually had time to disciple those people, to make them disciples help them become disciples who made disciples. So they say that their, their previous boundaries, which they had spent all this time managing, boundaries between family and mission began to blur. Um, the boundaries, they said, were technically broken, but they were thriving in a new way that they had never experienced before. So Sally said that practically she no longer was watching the clock, counting the hours, trying to make sure that the family and the mission kind of columns added up and were were balanced appropriately. Um, she no longer had to do that. There were no boundaries anymore, uh, or there were very few boundaries anymore. Mike felt that he had a lot more time with the family because he's around the family all the time. Even as he's doing the missional part of his life, he's with his family. Um, so just going to throw out a couple quotes really quickly from the book. Um, we were no longer managing boundaries and margins because people were simply with us in all of life, helping us with the things we needed help with, which was a lot of things, by the way. Our ministry and family life were thriving in new ways because there were simply more hands to do the work and more giftedness for the tasks at hand. And we were actually investing in people to develop them as disciples of Jesus. We had stumbled on a new way of functioning. Another quote, as these people simply helped us do our life together, we shared whatever wisdom we had somehow gained in our journey, and we began to disciple them. We didn't get them into an extensive program in church. We simply discipled them along the way, over meals, family prayers, laundry, carpooling, bedtime stories. The remarkable thing is that they stayed around. They simply became a part of our family, and they seemed to thrive in it. Our little nuclear family was becoming an extended family. We were learning what it looked like to be a family on mission. And then another quote. We were moving as a pack, moving forward, gathering up others as we traveled toward what God had called us to. So they are, they've blurred the boundaries. They've pulled people into their lives. So there's a core group. And as they're going on mission together, they're pulling more people into it. Um, so practically, and this is, again, another quote, what it means, Mike and Sally now practically describing how they implement this. 
What it means is that when we move forward in mission, we do it together, if at all possible, together with our kids, together with those we are discipling, together with those whom we simply can't seem to get rid of. We're going to involve each other and our kids in anything and everything involving our life and mission. As much as possible, we involve everyone in everything. Sally says, as Mike and I have traveled around the country teaching and answering hundreds of questions about family on mission, we have realized that this is a very different way of viewing life, family and ministry. We know this is challenging, but having, but having an integrated life brings a level of peace that cannot be experienced another way. What I noticed about this model, touching back on the idea I mentioned last week of information versus imitation, information versus imitation, which Joe Saxon talked about and I talked about a little bit. This model of ministry, it's still, it's still passing information, right? We're not giving up on the need for information within the Christian faith, but it's a completely different context that we're passing information and teaching information. Because the information here, the context is the information is being shared um, with a family on mission together. So a lot of information is being modeled via demonstration. Um, if you're having a meal and you're inviting your neighbors over and your missional community is there with you, there's a lot of information just by demonstration. So there's that context where information is being actually shown, not just spoken. Um, but then also when people you are discipling are then engaging in the mission, when, when they engage in anything, a conversation, act of kindness, whatever it is, it's also oftentimes there within that same context where the people who are discipling them are present to be a part of it, and, and, but also to also teach them and, and help them along the way. So, um, so a lot of stuff is shown firsthand. Um, so um, a lot of information there. Um, I want to say the implications of this are obviously would have a huge impact in, in how we implement making disciples. Um, so I'm going to throw out three main questions that come to mind. Um, first of all, are Mike and Sally right about the limitations of the family or mission and the family and mission models and the strengths of the family on mission model? So that that is something that obviously we would have to spend some time discussing and we will spend some time discussing. But that's, that's a really critical question. Are they right? about this. Um, the next step, if we, and with this sort of model, you don't, you, you, you could try to implement the whole thing at once, but you don't have to. Um, I, one of my, one of the values of this course is elephants. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So, um, you don't just throw everything out there. It's, it's one step, you don't just apply all of it all at once, but you start to engage with it together. But, the question is direction. So are we going in this direction of family and mission or family or mission? Or are we going in this direction of family on mission? Because there's differences. And the further down the line you go, like I said, the further apart those models get. Um, so, but, but again, it's one step at a time. You don't have to implement it all at once. So, but if we decide to go in that direction, um, what, would, what I think is interesting is as a church, 
um, we could have a group of people try it and everyone could learn from them. Um, but practically, we, how do we begin to organize this family on missions? That's the next question is like, if we do it, what's like the first step? How would we organize that? And that is going to be the focus of next week. And then the, the third question I have coming from that is how do you invite people into your lives? So Mike and Sally said once they took on the family um, on mission model and the, the boundaries just kind of blurred, uh, what they kind of started with was inviting people into their lives. How do you do that? That's, that sounds so simple. Well, they make it sound so simple, one sentence, but how do you practically invite people into your lives? Uh, people who aren't a part of the church. Um, so I, I felt like Mike said that it was one of the most, he said it like it was the most obvious thing ever, but I think that would need to be discussed too. And that's something where, um, a, a really nice thing about that is we get to discuss that together and try and figure that out together. So, um, all right. Thank you very much.